Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Do you feel like praising him this morning? Do you feel like giving him the glory? Because he's our God and he's our king. And we have power in his name. Are you ready for this? Come on, let's give him praise. Hallelujah.
Come on, give him the praise. Hallelujah. 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 These are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Go ahead. Give them a praise. Thank you, choir. Amen. Let's give the choir a hand of appreciation for their worship today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. I found an iPad. Ah, it feels good, amen? You know what else feels good? It feels good to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It feels good to know that when I was 15 years old, I was messed up on drugs and alcohol, and I was breaking the law, and I was getting arrested. It feels good to know that God turned me around, amen? Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. You don't know like I know. Can you remember, though, what he did for you? Can you remember? Hallelujah. Good to see everybody today. God is good, amen, all the time. Many of you have asked, so I'll just quickly say before I go to the word of the Lord, you've asked about my dad. 
two weeks ago. They gave him three weeks to live. And Friday night, he left the hospital and went to a rehab facility. Amen. The infection, the infection that they said they didn't think would be clean, cleared from his body is cleared. And now he's dealing with a lot. I'm not going to lie. He's got a lot of things that he's dealing with. He had two strokes while he was in ICU. And he's had four pacemaker surgeries over the last 10 days and just a whole lot of stuff but you know what God is good and God is on the throne and I'm just thankful amen so it would be remiss it would be remiss for me to not give a praise report about that amen everybody say Easter Sunday next week is Easter Sunday does it feel like it kind of snuck up on anybody else besides me I mean we are just trying to survive pollen getting and here we are at Easter already. Amen. It's I'm, I thank God for the rain. We need some rain about every third day till this pollen stuff is gone. Amen. But next week, next Sunday, Easter egg hunt, petting zoo, cotton candy. Plan to stick around. It's going to be a lot of fun. Invite your friends. If it's raining and it's muddy, bring your hip waders and your canoes. And we'll find Easter eggs. They, they will float, I'm sure. We'll figure out a way to have a good time on Easter Sunday. So I want to welcome you today to the last week in our short three-week series that we've called Core Values. And we have been talking about three core values that we want to focus on as a church family. We're going to talk about why they're important. And we've already mentioned that these core values are simple, but they're intentional. They happen when we place ourselves in three environments consistently. Anybody remember what they are? Gather, connect, and serve. Amen. And as I said, uh, the first two weeks, this is not our idea. This was something that began in the New Testament with the first followers of Jesus. And here's how the New Testament describes the way that they live their lives. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 it says, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Amen. They worshiped together at the temple every day. They met in homes for communion. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And it was in those three environments that framed their habits and they experienced God. And the scripture says that the church grew spiritually and numerically. Now, and for each of these values that we've given you, gather, connect, and serve, I've given you one public habit, and that's something to focus on when we're together with other people. And I've given you one personal habit, and that's one thing to focus on in your life. And I'm just recapping real quick in case you missed any of this so you can be caught up with us. In week one, we talked about the first core value, which was gather. The public habit was to gather on weekends for church. The personal habit was to invest and invite. Invest in the relationships you have with people outside of these walls and then invite them to a weekend church gathering with you. The second core value we talked about last week was connect. The public habit was to join a life group, and the personal habit was to participate in those groups. Not real complicated, is it? So this week I want to focus on our third core value, and that's my subject today, and that is serve. The core value of serve. Everybody say serve. 
See, gathering on the weekend is how we experience and know God in a larger worship setting. Connecting throughout the week is how we find freedom in our lives through building relationships with others and with God. But serving is that third essential part of a real relationship with God because it takes what happens in a crowd when we're gathering in a group and it takes what we're doing when we're connecting and empowering uh, with other people and it makes us, it helps us to make a difference by finding our purpose and using it for the glory of God. Now, I want you to understand something. We are never more like Jesus than when we're serving other people. We sing songs to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. On earth I long to be like Him. Well, you're never more like Jesus than when you're loving somebody or helping somebody or ministering to somebody. Amen? In fact, that's what it means at the end of the day to be a follower of Jesus, to serve like He served. I don't know if you caught it in that clip, the movie clip from that movie, the, the, the Tony Evans movie that's coming out in a couple of weeks. One of those gentlemen said, you cannot not serve and really be a follower of Jesus. He said the two are incompatible. I'm going to talk about that today. I want us to look at what Jesus said about serving. Matthew chapter 20, verse 27 through 28. I got a lot of scriptures today. By the way, isn't it nice to still hear sermons that have Bible in them? <laughs> can, I, can, I just, can I just deviate from my notes for a minute and say, if preachers are not using scripture, it might be a nice talk. It might be a TED Talk. It might be inspirational. It might be feel good. But it isn't preaching unless the Word of God is a part of it. Amen? All right. Matthew 20, 27 through 28. These are the words of Jesus. He said, whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, notice, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. Now, don't, don't miss this. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. This was God manifest in the flesh. This was the Son of God, the Son of David, the Lamb of God, our Messiah, our Savior. He said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. And if you want to be first, Jesus said, you got to be a slave to others. You see, Jesus is calling every one of us to a life of service. Serving others should be a fundamental part of who we are. We live to serve just as Jesus came to serve. Now, what does it mean to serve? Well, service is really all about ministering to the needs of others. And it's not that complicated, people. When you give, you are serving. When you show kindness or care to someone else, you're serving. When you stop to help somebody in need, you're serving. When we come and care for God's house like we did yesterday for our Love Our My Church Workday, thank you to everybody who came and helped us yesterday. We are serving. When we discover our ministry gifts and we use them for the glory of God to benefit His kingdom, you are serving. Now here's something I know, and you might want to write this down. Here's a nice little tweetable sentence for you. <laughs> you cannot be selfish and serve at the same time. You can't do it. You cannot be selfish and serve at the same time. Because service is not about personal gain. It's not about selfish ambition. But it's about showing the genuine care and compassion of Jesus Christ to other people. Amen? 
Here's a good working definition of what serving is. Meeting needs with love. Meeting needs with love. See, the reality is that in this life, everybody hurts. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's also talking about me. See, everybody hurts. Everybody does. Everybody has struggles. Just some people are better at hiding it than other people are. Some people are better at handling it than other people are. And it doesn't really matter how nicely put together you might be on the outside. It doesn't matter if you've got a great house and a great car and a great job and a great marriage. Here's something I know. It doesn't matter if all those things are in place. Somewhere in your life, there is a hurt, there is a need, there is a struggle. And I've got good news and bad news for you. If you can't identify what it is, that's great. The bad news is you will be able to eventually. Because we all go through it. We all endure stuff. We all face stuff. We all have to deal with stuff. And it's not pleasant. It's not easy. Amen. So one of the core values of Life Church is serve because we understand that we exist to show love, we exist to meet needs, and we exist to serve other people. How important is it really to serve other people? Well, listen to this in John 13, 35. It says, by this all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Everybody say, by this. Jesus didn't say to his disciples, I want you to be known for your great teaching. I want you to be known for your nice clothes. I want you to be known for your good band. I, don't want, I want you to be known for your good choir with their fantastic soloists that we had today. Amen. Charlotte, wherever you're at, there you are. He said, I don't want you to be known for any of that. I want you to have a reputation instead as being people who love others and are willing to serve them. Matter of fact, Jesus said, this is how people are going to know if you're really a disciple, if you have love for one another. And here's what I know. Love that is not demonstrated, love that is not stated, love that is not expressed is not really love at all. See, we want this church to be known as a place of love, a place where you will be loved, a place where you can express love, a place where you can meet needs, and a place where you can have your needs met. So how do we implement this core value of serve in our lives? Well, let me give you the public habit and the personal habit. Are you ready? Here's the public habit for serve. Join a D-R-E-A-M-T-E-A-M. You've seen all the shirts around here today. Join a dream team. That's your public habit for serve. Join a team. The secret to a successful life is not by solving all your problems. It's by learning to live out your purpose. Amen? Find a dream team that you can serve on and be a part of that right here at Life Church and live out your purpose. Amen. Thank you. Now, here's the personal habit of serving. Are you ready? Give your first. Give your first. The first part is always the best part. Give the first part of your time, of your talent, of your treasure. Giving is always part of serving. And I love 
when we give our first. Uh, all, all during our marriage, and I, I've noticed it, she doesn't say anything about it. I don't always say anything. My mom used to do it, but my wife always does it. She even did it last night. She doesn't know I noticed when she prepared dinner. All during our life, growing up, our marriage with our kids, if, the, if there was ever a borderline quantity of food that had been prepared or a borderline amount of the good stuff, guess whose plate always was shortchanged and guess whose plate always had plenty of chicken on it, beef on it, whatever. Robin always served me and her kids first. You know, I, I'm just giving you a real life example. Last night, she made some kind of an Asian dish, and uh, there wasn't a whole lot of chicken. And I, when I eat, I like there to be some meat, amen? I feel like I've been ripped off if there's not some meat on my plate. I don't even know, now I'm looking, I don't even know if she had one piece of chicken in her bowl or not. Did you have any? She had one nugget in her bowl. My bowl was nice and full. I ate up my stuff. I was feeling real good. You know why? That's the heart of somebody to serve their family. Did you know I believe God has called all of us as the believers to have a heart like that when we come in contact with other people? To have a heart like that when we see needs in the body of Christ. To have a heart like that that says, you know what? I'm not always going to think about me first. I'm going to sometimes think about other people first. Amen. These young men are saying amen. They like it when their mamas put plenty of food on their plates. <laughs> They're clapping. <laughs> so give your first. Give the first of your time, your talent, and your treasure. You want to know why? Qu real quickly, I'm not going to take time to elaborate on these, but here's why you want to give your first always. Number one, to honor God. Number two, to reach people. And number three, to meet needs. In our community and in our church and in our world. You want to honor God, you want to reach people, and you want to meet needs. Now, in our growth track classes, which take place every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., with child care provided, by the way, if you haven't taken the class yet, we explore how God makes us unique individuals with special and specific characteristics in order to accomplish the work of ministry. Now, I do say ministry intentionally because without question, God intends for every Christian to find a place of fulfillment in the body of Christ. And that is accomplished through being actively involved in ministering to other people. Here at Life Church, you know what we believe? Every member is a minister. Every member is a minister. And so it's our responsibility to be equipped so that we can effectively serve others in the kingdom of God. And then it's also our responsibilities not to just be equipped, but to get moving and to get going and to be active. Look at what Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 12 says. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, teachers. Their responsibility, don't miss this, verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Don't miss that. What are the apostles supposed to be doing? What are the preachers supposed to be doing? What are the teachers supposed to be doing? What are the evangelists supposed to be doing? The pastors? What? It says to build up, to equip God's people in order that the work of the body of Christ can be done so that the church can be built up. The Bible teaches that pastors and teachers are the equippers and that the body, the people, are the ministers. Amen? 
That, that's the whole strategy that the church is supposed to follow. It's not the job of the pastors to do all the ministry or the teachers. It's our job, our job collectively to do the work of the kingdom of God. So what is ministry? Let me give you a Greek word. It's diakonos. It means to serve. You know where else you get that? Uh, what other word you get from that? Deacon. The word deacon simply means servant. You know, we've got, depending upon your religious background or your church upbringing, we've got all these great, uh, some churches, deacons are elevated. They're just one step right under the Pope. Amen? But you know what a deacon is? A servant. A deacon is a servant. A deacon is somebody who's supposed to serve other people. We think that ministry, and we've done ourselves, we've done the body of Christ a disservice. We think ministry is what I'm doing right now. Standing behind a pulpit and teaching or preaching the Word of God. That's part of ministry. That's one type of ministry. But ministry is using whatever gift God has given you to serve Him by meeting the needs of other people. Amen. Amen. We minister to the Lord through our worship, through our prayer. And, and when we receive the Word of God, when we gather and when we connect in groups. But we minister to other believers and to unbelievers through serving others. Don't miss that. Please don't miss that. On Sundays, we get to minister to the Lord and, and the people that are serving in ministry are ministering to the body. But you can't minister to believers or unbelievers without serving. So how do we serve others? There's a couple of ways. First of all, we can minister to people's physical needs. We can minister to people's physical needs. I didn't give them this scripture, but in Matthew 25, Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me. He didn't say I was hungry and you prayed for me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. He didn't say you waved a bottle of water in front of me and said, good luck. Amen. He said, I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you cared for me. In prison and you visited me. Whenever, here's, I love this. Whenever you have done this to the least person, you did it to me. Jesus said, whether we realize it or not, whenever you do something for somebody else, somebody that is hurting, you know what Jesus says? It's just as if you did it to me. Jesus said, whenever you do something kind for another person in his name, it's as if you're doing it directly for the Lord. So we minister to people's physical needs. Another thing we can do, we also minister to people's emotional needs. Everybody say emotional. People have all different kinds of emotional needs, and the Bible says it takes different kinds of ministry to help meet those needs. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.14. It says, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. I'm waiting for the scripture to get up on the screen. We urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. And I love how they wrap up the verse. But be patient with everybody. <laughs> I love this verse. Look, it says some people are lazy. You got to warn them. Get with the program. Pow. <laughs> Amen. Some people need the ministry of the boot. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it says there's some people that are timid. You need to encourage those people. There are some people that are weak. You need to take tender care of those. But you got to be patient with everybody. You know what this verse is saying? You respond to different people in different ways. Amen. You can't minister to every emotional need the same way. Some folks need to be warned. Hey, you need to tighten up. 
Get with the program. Some people need to be encouraged. Some people need tender, loving care. Some people, the Bible says everybody needs patience. Don't you love the Bible? Amen. See, when you minister a word of counsel or encouragement or comfort, that is ministry. When you pray for somebody's needs in your small group, that is ministry. When you give somebody a hug who's had a hard day or maybe a tough season, that is ministry. It's ministry. It's love. So we minister to people's emotional needs. You know what else we do? We minister to people's spiritual needs. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and don't miss this part, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. All things are of God. He reconciled us to himself through Jesus but he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what reconciliation is? It's when you take two opposing parties and you bring them together again. When a couple reconciles in a marriage, maybe they've been separated, maybe they're going through counseling, they come back together, two opposite parties reunited. And the Bible says it's our job as Christians, our ministry, to reconcile people with God. In other words, people who are separated from God or maybe even believers that are struggling in their faith or maybe they're struggling in their commitment to God. The Scripture says we're to help bring them together and we do that by serving their needs and by helping create environments, even a church where they can find the Lord. See, sometimes even believers are struggling. Amen. We just might, we might as well acknowledge it because it's the truth. Sometimes the church, church folks are struggling, amen, as Joe Namath would say, struggling, amen, they're just struggling, amen, the struggle is real, <laughs> amen, and guess what, they don't need judgment, remember that scripture we just read, they need compassion, they need prayer, they need encouragement, they need guidance, now sometimes they need the ministry of the boot, and we all know when that comes into play, right? That's how you minister to people's spiritual needs. You love them and you try to help reconcile them to God. So how do we find how do how do we find our ministry? How do we figure out what we're supposed to do? Let's quickly just take a couple points from Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Let me read this to you. It says, "I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service." So if you want to know how to find your ministry, here's the first thing you have to do, and it's from that verse. You got to dedicate your body. Dedicate yourself. Paul said, "Present your bodies a living sacrifice." You know what? You probably wouldn't even be here today unless you've already done that, or maybe you're contemplating that. You said, Jesus Christ, I want to serve you. I dedicate myself. I may not understand it all, but I dedicate myself to be what you want me to be. It begins by saying, God, I give you my life, and I dedicate myself to you. And let me just stop and say right now, more than anything else I talk about today, this is the most important thing you can do, is give your life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Because let me tell you, you can do all these good works. You can do all these great things. You can be benevolent. You can be a philanthropist. You can, you can walk little old ladies across the street. You can buy every box of Girl Scout cookies you see. 
But unless you've given yourself to the Lord, it's all temporary. It's all just earthly. It's not eternal. Amen. Give your life to Jesus. Dedicate your life to Jesus. Invite God into your life. Ask Him to fill you full of His Spirit. Amen. Give yourself to God. That's how you first begin to find your ministry. And can I just say to us as believers, some of us have already done that, but we need to do the next thing. We need to eliminate competing distractions. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, this is a step that some of us need to do right now. You've, you're already living for the Lord. You've invited uh, God into your life. You're full of the Holy Ghost. You're, you're, you're doing whatever. But some of you, if we're just being real right now, you need to eliminate some distractions from your life. He might have a name. <laughs> she might have a name. The reason why some of us haven't been involved in ministry is because your life is filled up with everything else but ministry. And after the act of dedication comes the act of elimination. I dedicate myself, then I've got to eliminate some clutter from my life. You cannot burn the candle at both ends because we only have a limited amount of time in any given day or any given week. Somebody once said, I didn't say it, but I like it. They said, if you burn the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. (laughs) Amen. See, because if you're serious about serving God, all of us, we're going to have to cut some things out of our life because everything that is good is not best. Now, you know, when I say eliminate completing distractions, we automatically think I'm talking about sin. We automatically think I'm talking about bad stuff, right? Oh, we got to get rid of the junk. No, no, no. Some of us need to cut some of the good stuff we're doing so we can do the best stuff that God has called us to do. Amen? You don't want to fill up your calendar and your time with stuff that maybe you're not gifted to do or maybe it's not not the priority of your life. Maybe there's some things that God has called you to do that maybe you're one of the only ones that can do it. Don't waste your time doing other stuff. Cut those distractions out and focus on what God has called you to do and what God has called you to be. Because we can't keep adding and adding things in without taking stuff out. I wish I'd have used that analogy. You've all seen it before of the big rocks and the little rocks in the big jar. And the only way you get the big rocks in is you got to put them in first, right? you got to put the priorities in first. Here's the next step you got to take from Romans. you got to evaluate your strengths. If you want to know what your ministries are, what you're, where you're best suited to serve, evaluate your strengths. Look at Romans chapter 12 and 3. I love it from the New Living Translation. It says, because of the privilege and authority that God has given me, I give each of you this warning. So anytime, by the way, anytime you're reading a Bible, your Bible, and it says, I'm giving you this warning, pay attention to what's next. <laughs> anytime you're reading the Scripture and he says, this is what you got to do to do this, Listen, read, observe. Here's what he said. Hey, everybody, check it out. God's given me a privilege. God's given me authority. And so I got to warn you. Here it is. Don't think you're better than you really are. He said, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by other people. No, no, no. That's not actually what it says, right? Measuring yourself by the faith God 
has given us. He said, be honest with yourself. Just be honest. Be honest with yourself. I remember, uh, I, I'll, I'll tell this story because this person uh, doesn't go to our church anymore. They moved away uh, to another state many, many years ago. But we had this person, I'll call him a person so you don't even know if it's a man or a woman. But we had this person that they just really wanted to be on the praise team really bad. But they could not carry a tune in a bucket. I mean, I'm not kidding. I'm not, you know. You know the scriptures that said, make a joyful noise to the Lord? That's how they sang. Amen. That was their joyful noise. They couldn't sing, but they wanted to be on the praise team so bad. And finally, I mean, we tried every nice way to tell them. We tried every nice way to handle Finally, my wife just in her sweet, loving way, she just had to say, you know, I just don't think this is your area of gifting. It's a really nice way to say, you don't sing very good. But for some reason, this person had this, this perception of themselves. They just It was kind of like, anybody, ever, anybody watch American Idol? You remember those ones that they'll try out and they're just horrible and their mom and their dad are just like, I can't believe these people don't know talent. Can't believe. Lionel Richie don't know nothing. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Lionel Richie knows talent. And it's just like they're just living in another world. Paul says, hey, be honest with yourself. You ain't all that. He said, you're not as good as you think you are. You know what else is good? I'll just add this. This isn't Paul. This is me. You're not as bad as you think you are either. You're not as bad as you think you are either. He says, be honest in evaluating yourself. So you got to evaluate yourself. Find out, what am I good at? You know, hear me, listen, humility is not denying your strengths. Humility is being honest about your weaknesses. It is. That's what humility is. Not denying your strengths. There's stuff I'm good at. There's stuff I'm not good at. I can sit down with you, and, and, and I'm not asking you to line up at my door to, to do this. I can sit down with you and look at your paycheck and look at your bills, and I can probably figure out how to get you on a budget. I'm good at this. I'm just good at it. I've always been good at this my whole life. God's just gifted me. I'm good with numbers. That's just something I'm good at. But you know what I'm not good at? If you want your car worked on, do not bring it to me. Because <laughs> guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to send you straight to Serendi. I'm going to send you straight to the dealer because I already know. I cannot fix your car. Now, back in the day, I could change your oil. I could change your spark plugs. That's as far as I got. And I wouldn't even stick my head under the hood of a new car to this day. I'm not good at it. And I'm okay with that. That's why there's mechanic shops in business today. Because a lot of us are not good at that. But it's okay. It's okay to be good at some things and not good at others. Find out what those strengths and weaknesses are. Next thing I want to mention to you, here's how you find out your ministry and you get involved. Romans 12, 4 through 5. you got to learn to cooperate with other believers. Look at this verse. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I wish I had time to really unpack that verse. But look, it says we don't all have the same function. It says we're many, but we're still one. We're one body in Christ. And it says we're individually members, not just with one another, but it says of one another. We are connected. We're one body. 
but we all do different things. And you have to cooperate with the rest of your body. I'm going to give you a real-life example because it's as fresh as anything I know. My dad has been, uh, he's been in the hospital since February the 4th, with the exception of one day. He's been in ICU for the last three weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, we came in one morning uh, after, after going to sleep, and we came in and we immediately uh, noticed that there was something significantly wrong with my dad from the night before, with his speech, with his awareness, with one side of his body. And I immediately turned to the nurse. I said, something has happened to my dad. Y'all need to do a CT scan. I think my dad has had a stroke. Long story, and I've never seen anything. Long story short, they did the scan, and my dad had a significant stroke to the left side of his brain. And here's what I found out. I realized he lost the peripheral vision in the right. He could barely move his right arm. All of his words uh, for the first few days, we couldn't understand what he was saying. And here's what I learned about the body. This one part of the body not working with the rest of the body totally threw the entire body into chaos. All it took, don't miss this, all it took was one specific vital part of his physical body to not be in harmony with the rest of the body to throw the entire body out of whack. And then this past week, he was starting to get a little better. He had another, we, we came in and we knew he's, his, uh, he's bad again, something bad has happened. And this time I didn't even have to ask. They said, okay, we're going to run another scan. He had another stroke, this time at a different part of his body. It was a, a hemorrhagic something, some kind of a brain bleed or something. I don't know what it was. And we knew it and we was like, oh, my goodness. And, and again, part of the body not functioning caused the rest of the body to not function properly. I'm happy to tell you, two days later, we came in, and it was like a 180, and I said, I don't know what happened. They did another CT scan, and they couldn't find any evidence of the second stroke. It was gone. But, but can I say this as kindly as I know how to say it? Sometimes the church, we are operating like a victim of a stroke. There. The arm, my dad's arm is still strong. He can still do, but because this part of his body was not firing functional, he couldn't do what he needed to do. Did you know that some of you right now, we need you in the body of Christ, and there are parts of the body that cannot function until you function. We need you. 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 Quincy, we need you. I love that guy. I can't wait to see what God's getting ready to do. We need you. Joseph, we need you. Jackie, we need you. Kathy, we need you. Paul, we need you. Debbie, we really need you, Debbie. We love you. If something happens to Debbie, I'm just going to lock the doors and we're just going to start all over again. We're just going to put a for sale sign and start all over again. See, we need it. we got to learn to cooperate with other believers. And you know what's the problem? Can I just say this? Sometimes we get mad at parts of the body that are not functioning like they should, and we're forgetting that they can't because others won't. And it's really not fair. It's really not fair to criticize a right arm that won't work if you don't trace the roots of it to the left side of the brain that has failed to perform. 
I'm going to stop right there because y'all starting to get uncomfortable. Can I, can I break it right down? Mike, you're going to appreciate this. We did some, we recently ran some statistics. 48.6% of the active adult members of Life Church are serving in ministry. 48.6%. Now, believe it or not, statistically, that's a little bit better than average. Well, I'm just going to interject right now. This is not just an average church, so that's not good enough for us. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'll just tell you straight up, my goal is for 80% of this congregation to be serving in ministry. That's my goal. Amen. That's my goal. People say, well, why not 100%? Because I like to set realistic goals. <laughs> I would love for you to shatter my goal of 80 and then let me move the bar to 90. Amen. But for right now, I'd like to see us go from 49 to 80. 49 to 50, 50 to 60, 60. All right, but check this out. Now, don't, don't miss this. 48.6% of you are serving. And of those 48%, check this out, 82% of those 48% are serving in more than one ministry. Wow. So that means 52% are doing zero, 48% are serving in at least one, and 82% of that 48% are serving in more than one. Now, let me tell you what it means to me. Number one, the reason some people are serving in more than one ministry, here's the, good, here's the good reason why. Some people just love to serve. God bless those people that love to serve. Some people have more than one passion. Some people have more than one gifting. Some people, frankly, are capable of doing more. Now, that's another message for another day. We got one talent, two talent, three talent, five talent, ten talent people. Amen? And if you can do more, you should do more. If God's gifted you to do more, you should do more. But here's the bad side of that. 51% of the people that are not serving at all are causing some people to have to step up and do more than they should. I'm just keeping it real. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Are you in the 48.6 or are you in the 51.4? Because if you are in the 51.4, somebody in the 48.6 might be having to do more than they should can I just say it? Because they're taking up your slack. Here's the ministry of the boot. <laughs> Not to boot out, but to boot you up. Because all of us have something we can do in the body. Now let me quickly close by talking about a couple of truths about ministry. And then we're going to tell you what we're going to do here at the end of this service. Just quickly let me share some truths with you about ministry. Number one, you are created for ministry. I want, to, I want you to know, I don't care who you are, I don't care what your weaknesses are, you're created for ministry. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, here's what it says. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. I love that. Man, that's a great message right there, amen. You didn't deserve it, you didn't earn it, God gave it to us. But number 10, look at this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Look, so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. He saved us. He created you. The Bible says you're his masterpiece. And he's got a plan for something for you to do. And he planned it a long time ago. I believe he planned it when you were in your mother's womb. 
We're His masterpiece. You're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to do good things. See, most people don't know that. You were created for ministry. God put it in you. People say, why am I here on earth? What, what, what was my purpose? Because God made you for ministry. He made you to serve. Secondly, 2 Timothy 1 and 9, you've been saved for ministry. Look at 2 Timothy 1 and 9 from the Living Bible. It says, it is he who saved us and chose us for his holy work, not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan long before the world began. And now that you've been saved, the Bible teaches that every Christian is saved to serve. It says, chosen for his holy work, not saved to sit. Not saved to stew, not saved to simmer, not saved to take up place, saved to serve. The Bible calls it His holy work. And a non-serving Christian is a contradiction because we are saved and chosen for His work, saved and created for good things. Third point I want to make, you've been called into ministry. You've been called. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Therefore I, a prisoner, for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. I like 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, but you are not like that. You are a chosen people. 1 Peter 2 and 9, please. You are a chosen people. You are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, here's why you're chosen. Here, Don't miss it. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's not who I think I am. It's not even who you think I am. I'm who God says I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 says we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. That's what it says. God is literally pleading through you to somebody else. You know what an ambassador is? Somebody that represents royalty or they represent a throne or a government. The Bible says you're an ambassador. I'm going to wrap it up right here. You're commanded to minister. Matthew 20, 27 through 28, it says, And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve. And then I want to tell you that the body of Christ needs your ministry. I think I've already covered that. Praise team, musicians, I want you to come. Prayer team. Last thing I want to say about ministry, are you ready? There's always the good news. You will be rewarded for your ministry. Hallelujah. You will be rewarded. I want you to stand with me all over this house. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Colossians 3, 23 through 24. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing, everybody say knowing, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. He said, do it heartily as to the Lord because you know you're going to get a reward. You know what that reward's going to be? Matthew 25, 23. I can't wait to hear him say this to me. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Don't miss that. Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm not asking you to save the world. I'm not asking you to do a thousand things. 
I'm not asking you to do a whole bunch of stuff that's going to just take over your life and you're not going to have any fun and you're not going to have any time for family or your hobbies. I'm not asking you to do a million things. He said, well done because you've been faithful over a few things. And because you've been faithful over a few things, I'm going to make you a ruler over many things. Entering to the joy of the Lord. See, God says you're going to be rewarded in heaven on the basis of your ministry, your service to others. Everybody, we all have gifts. We all have passions. We're all called to do something. You may not do it forever, by the way. You, you might serve in an area of ministry for a season, for a period of time. And then may, maybe you need a break. Maybe you want to try something else. Maybe God calls you into something else. But today I am reaching for you. I am reaching. I am reaching for the 51.4. I'm reaching for you. Don't just come to church. Don't just join a life group. Serve. Find your place in the kingdom and serve. Stop making excuses. Stop letting yourself off the hook. Stop telling yourself you're not good enough. Stop saying, I don't have time. If you don't have time, you need to eliminate some distractions. You need to find a way to serve. There's things you can do right in this church, and there's also things you can do outside of this church. I don't want to embarrass them. Chuck and Carol, will you come up here and stand with me right here? Vinny, where are you at? Vinny, come up here and stand with me on the other side. Please keep playing there, Joel. <laughs> I caught her with heels on. I have the opposite of heels on today. I called them up here. I just want, I just want to mention a couple things. Because see, not everything that happens in ministry happens in the church. This is Chuck and Carol Harris. If y'all haven't met them yet, they're two of the greatest people in this church family. Chuck and Carol have a ministry called Thrive. It operates on Thursday nights in Midlothian. Tell me the, tell me the address. Say it out loud. <laughs> East Boundary. It's in Southside. It's a Thursday night ministry to single moms and their children. They have classes. They have fellowship. They have food. I hate to call it a Sunday school class, but it make, it'll help you understand. They have the equivalent of Sunday school classes for the kids on Thursday nights. And I'm going to just be honest with you. They're doing more in Thrive than some preachers who have churches are doing in their community that I know. Amen. They are. They've never asked me for a thing. But I'm happy to tell you that our church supports them monthly. Some of you are mission with your mission support. I can't remember who you are, but some of you are supporting them monthly as well. But you know what they need? They need some volunteers. They need some people that are sitting at home on Thursday night watching TV. To say, I want to minister to a single mom. Well, I don't know how to teach a class. I can assure you they've got other things you can do. They need your help. Vinny, over here. Vinny's getting ready to start a nursing home ministry out of our church. And he's asked us for some direction, like, do we need to start it as a ministry, start it as a life group? I said, well, 
Let's find out how many people have a burden and want to join you and help you. We're going to probably do it as a life group. And if we get enough traction, it could be something that will go on. And we don't want to just do it in one nursing home. We'd like, And we don't know where it will go. But here's what I know. Every ministry that's important, God will send a Vinny or he'll send a Chuck and a Carol to make it happen. Amen. So Vinny is going to be standing back at a table not knowing other than maybe some people he's already talked to, how many of you would be willing to give up an occasional Saturday for an hour or two, or it might even be another time? I don't know. Maybe you want to do nursing home, but you can't do it on a Saturday. Maybe Vinny can help get you connected. I'm just telling you, there are ways for us to serve in the body and outside of the body. Thank you. Let's give both of these groups a, a hand. And they're going to have a table in the back as well. Chuck and Carol are going to have a Thrive table. You may want to volunteer. What about homeless ministry? I'd like to see us do more than just our Christmas outreach. But you know what? I'm not going to force it until somebody has the burden for it, if somebody wants to take ownership of it. Maybe I just threw a lifeline out to somebody. You've been waiting. You come talk to us. I'd like to see us do more with our Helping Hands ministry. Where, where's uh, Jeff? There he is, Jeff Grant. You know what Helping Hands is? We want men and women with construction skills and landscaping skills to sometimes come alongside of the, some of the people in our church that need a little bit of help. I'm not talking about the people that need the ministry of the boot. I'm not talking about lazy people who just want somebody to come along and do what they can do for themselves. But I'm talking about we have people that sometimes in a season of their life, they might need some help with some projects at home. And guess what? We have painters. We have carpenters. We've got people here. And we've got a heart for it. And some of us just need an outlet for it. We just need an opportunity to serve. Guest services. Children's ministry. Youth ministry security teams, medical teams. I want everybody to turn around and look in the back at Craig. Raise your hand. Everybody look back in the sound booth. We need people to help. We need more people in the media booth. We need people with computer skills, with an ear for sound. There's needs everywhere in this body. I want us to go from 49 to 80. I think we can do it. Not because I want to stand up here and brag about how many people in our church are doing stuff because I can brag to Jesus and look say look look at how many people were reaching for the kingdom and he'll say well done life church well done life church last verse Luke chapter 10 and I know I've run over on my time today Luke chapter 10 and verse 2 it says this the harvest is great but the workers are few why am I taking a whole Sunday to preach about this? Because the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask Him to send more workers into His fields. And you know what? I've been praying, and He's been sending, but guess what else He said when I prayed? He said, you need to tell the people that I need them. Don't just pray, but preach about it. Invite them, implore them, ask them. So. We don't have a harvest problem. We've got a worker problem. There's no shortage of harvest. There's no shortage of people out there that want to be ministered to. There's no shortage of people right here in this church that need your ministry. 
So today I'm praying to the Lord who's in charge to send more workers into his fields. I'm going to invite you real quickly. I'm going to open this altar, and I'm just going to invite us. And this includes the people that already got your red shirt on. Sometimes we need to be reminded of why we're doing what we're doing. You know why? Because you don't want it to just become a job. You don't want it just to become something you get tired of doing. You don't want it to just become something that, oh, i got to be there at 9.15. i got to work at the door. i got to check the bathrooms. i gotta, I got to deal with these snotty-nosed kids. It's my Sunday to be in the nursery. By the way, thank God for every nursery worker back there. But sometimes you just have to say, Lord, give me a heart for the harvest. Touch my old hard heart. Sometimes I get mad. Sometimes I get a little self-righteous. Sometimes I get a little ticked off at other people. Just help me to realize I'm doing this for you. So I'm going to open this altar and I'm going to ask you to come. And for just a few moments, I'm going to ask you to say, God, here's my heart. Thank you that I'm privileged to serve in your kingdom. Thank you that I've got the opportunity to serve in your kingdom. And for those of you maybe, and I don't even care what the reason is, and I'm not here to beat you up. If you're in the 51.4, I want you to come and say, God, show me. Show me what you want me to do. Show me what you want me to do in this church. Maybe it's outside of this church. We just want you to serve. We want you to find your place. God, show me what you want me to do. So right now, real quick, would you come? Would you come from where you are? We're going to ask God to speak to our hearts. And while you're coming, hold on just a moment. When you leave, when you leave this place today, we have tables set up in the back for various ministries. I'm not going to call them out because I might forget. And if there's a ministry that does not have a table back there, I want you to see, Deb, what corner are you in, Debbie? I want if, you, if there's something and you can't find it, you see Debbie Fuller in that corner, and we'll, we'll help navigate you. But after church, I want you to go to these tables. Leaders are going to be at these tables. And you might not be sure, do I really want to work at children's ministry? That's all right. Go back and ask some questions. You might be able to sign up for something for a trial basis. You might be able to sign up and say, I'm not sure if this fits me. Can I try it for a while? And if it doesn't, absolutely. But I want us to pray. I want us to pray for laborers in this harvest. Can we do that right now? And I want you to pray for God to touch your heart. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I give Lord touch us right now. God, help us to see the need. Help us to recognize the need in our community, in our church. Help me to recognize that you called me not just to sit, but you've called me to serve. You've called me to make a difference. You've called me to touch somebody's life through the children's ministry or guest services or the music. Whatever it is, God, I want you to know I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing. I give you my soul. I'm willing. I'm willing, Lord. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take.
cutting this altar call in half because here's what I want. I want us to finish this altar call at the ministry tables. You go back and ask, inquire, pray about it, go home, but ask the Lord, say, God, I'm ready to get off the bench and I'm ready to get into the game. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Bring a guest with you next Easter. I'm looking forward to preaching the gospel. We're going to have a great day. Have a great day. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. It's all about you, it's all about you. It's all about you, it's all about you. It's all about you.